Hi, I'm Nate Flax. I'm Noah Longworth-McGuire. And welcome to the fourth season of Talking Talking Lion. If you're new here, Talking Lion is an artist-to-artist podcast hosted by us, Sleeping Lion, where we talk to our artist friends about life, music, and all the stories in between. If you're not new here, thank you for sticking with us this long and welcome to season four. A few reminders before we start. Firstly, we now have a Patreon for fans of the show to show their support and help keep the show going. As a Patreon subscriber, not only will you earn rewards, but you'll also gain exclusive access to a chat room in our Discord server. Here you can talk with us and even suggest questions for our guests. Go to patreon.com slash talking lion to subscribe. We appreciate your support. Likewise, if you want to make friends in our community and chat with us, you can go to our Discord, which is sleepinglionmusic.com slash discord. Now on with the show. We recorded this episode with our new friend, Jordy. We first chatted with Jordy through Instagram DMs, but we already sort of knew each other through our mutual friends and collaborators. With that said, this interview is the first time we met in person. For context, we recorded this interview following the release of his album, Mind Games, which he created with mutual friends, Johnny Shore, Sophie Hintz, Austin, and friends of the pod, Charlotte Sands and M. Incredibly kind, hardworking, and fun to be around, we became instant friends with Jordy, and we hope you enjoy the first episode of season four. So, without further ado, I'm Jordy, and this is Talking Lion. What's up, guys? Good to see you. <laughs> Thanks for having me. It's nice to meet you. So mm-hmm. nice to meet you both. Lovely to meet you. I, I, I feel like I know you through the company you keep. Like, I feel like mm-hmm. that's, that's we were talking about it before the show started. Like, there was all of these mutual friends, and you're very communal. Like, you, you talk with them, and you bring them into your collaborations. I kept seeing you totally show up. I'm like, this is probably a very nice person. Oh, right? thank you. Like, well, I, feel like, I feel like the little bit I know of you through social media, just the filtered through just your <laughs> friends who have shared your work. It seems like people really like you. Like that's oh, the impression that I got. Wow, just like, like a lot of people posting about your record when it came out and just being like, everyone was so excited for your oh. record to come out. And I just remember noting that and being like, people really like this guy. I'm sure he must be a good guy. I appreciate uh, it. Kira Cosrin was at dinner. Oh, last oh my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah she, she, she messaged me last night and she was like, I hear you're going to be on my friend's podcast. <laughs> <laughs> tomorrow and she's someone who like I only recently realized she like knew of my music and me and we have been like DMing a little but like yeah like so cool I love that she she's was, so she was sweet our quarantine pod like I and, love that uh, so Noah made smash burgers last mm-hmm. night yes. and just, uh, uh, just hung out but uh yeah, yeah she's great she's like oh so who's on the podcast tomorrow we're like Jordy she's like oh my god I, oh, love, yeah. I love his music yeah. that's amazing oh um, but she amazing. was saying the nicest things and all this stuff Fuck but yeah. the reason I I think initially reached out for people who listen to the podcast, you know, we have on whoever we have on, like, you know, people have good songs, people have songs that pop, whatever. We always just want to like have, and we love your music, but we, we always want to have people who go for what we do and like vibe with what we do. And when you, when you put out your record, you put out mind games and you had that round table, yeah. where you had everybody who worked on the record. Yeah. I'm like, nobody's doing that. Ugh, and it's you. perfect. It's thank awesome. You. Thank you. And then of course, you know, Friend of the pod, Charlotte Sands there, Austin, who, who we've, we've ridden with, and Johnny we've ridden with, and, Good. you know, John, Good. who we are remix cousins with. Right. Cool. You know, just the whole, It's yeah. a small world. I think that, like, you know, before any of us ever moved here, it's like, oh, my God, the music industry is so big, it's overwhelming, and then you get here, and it's like, wait, it's actually, like, really tiny. Yeah. And it, like, <laughs> like it's big, people. but it's tiny, you know? Yeah. It's like... It's the same five people at bars. Exactly. <laughs> but, yeah, no, that, that round table was, like very important for me to do when I was like talking to 
my team at 300, they were like, how do you want to promote? Like how, like what kinds of videos do you want to make to promote the album and all that? And I was like, I think Chelsea Handler did like a Netflix series where it was like dinner with friends and oh, they yeah, just like, she that. had people over for dinner and they just like talked about stuff. And I was like, I one love food and I love to cook. And so I always love like, you know, integrating the, like the dinner kind of like aspect, like drinking wine, everybody coming together, like for just a really nice night in together. And I was like, it'd be really cool if I could get all the writers just to talk about like how we made this record. And, you know, all of them are like really good friends of mine too. So it's just, it was just fun, you know? And so I'm, I'm so glad you love that because that was something that like I had really wanted to do since like you know I decided to put out the album in the first place so I don't think love even covers it like like I adored it I like sent it to like 20 people because I'm like Mm. this is this is how it should be done and I don't I'm not prescriptive about shit like I'm not like oh anybody should do anything but I think the reason we started this was because we think that there isn't enough transparency as far as the process goes Mm -hmm. and I think that there isn't enough especially about how these records get made and how these collaborations happen. And there is that scary feeling when you come out here of like, oh shit, how do we do this? Mm -hmm. You know, how do we meet these people? How do these records? But like the truth is, and nobody at the beginning phases really believe that, but you're just making songs with friends. And that's true for everyone at all levels of the industry. Absolutely. I think it's like, if you're lucky, it took this, it took a long time for me to find those pods of people who I love. And granted it's like, I always love working with new people, but I think it's like really special when, you know, you're years into being in LA and you finally find those people who like you feel just like super safe with, you know what I mean? It's like, it's such um, an important thing to feel like safe and warm in a room because, you know, the song won't turn out as good if you don't. Well, so. And there's no shade to to people who don't have this, but I love about like when even just reading the liner notes of your record and you just see the same names, like yeah, there may be the, the same, same names just coming through. Drew pops up yep. and like, yeah, it's just like, yeah, I love that. Like, Thanks. cause, cause that's how, I mean, that's how you get like, you know, even on the highest levels of Olivia Rodrigo and all that, that's like the Dan Nigros. That's how you get yeah. those sounds. Or like, or like how, like, you know, Tommy Brown was friends with Ariana Grande, worked a little bit with her on every single record, but it wasn't even until like, thank you now that he was producing every song on the record. Now he produces pretty much every song on the record, but he's been with her. He's been a friend of hers for almost a decade. For sure. I mean, Johnny Shore produced my very first single. I love that. He was my very first session in LA. I love that. And we can get into like how I met him and stuff. I love that, We're both from Chicago, but but yeah, he produced my very first single and then we kept on working together and then Long Distance happened and that was like such a beautiful moment for us and Sophie Hintz, who also wrote on that song and- Mm -hmm. Who's also- Incredible, the best. And so now (laughs) us three just like love working together and it's really, really, really special to like look at the timeline and look at the journey and just like see the same names and faces since the very beginning, you know, so. Like, I think that on, on my worst days- what I want isn't enough to drive the ship. Mm-hmm. Like I think that on my my worst days, I'm like, you know, do I want to do well in this or whatever for me? And I'm like, well, you know what? If, if it's for me, I'm fucking tired. Totally. I want to do literally anything <laughs> else. Yeah. And so it's like when you have those same people and it's like, you know, if I eat, we all eat kind of shit. Like then mm-hmm. it becomes this really, I think really magical and kind of like glowing kind of thing. For you know? sure. And it's like, you know, I like stand by my songwriters and the writers that I work with and like songwriters already get screwed enough as it is. So mm-hmm. for me, it's like, I want to give them a platform too. hopefully somebody watches that video and they're like, Oh, like I want to reach out to them and work with them. Yes. You know what I mean? It's like, I want to bring everybody with me on this journey and they're all so good. And they're all the reason the album is what it is. And yeah. so, you know, I just, it's really, really important for me to, to make sure that every writer I work with feels like good and compensated and, 
safe and all of that. So for me, that video was super important because I was like, yeah, I want people to know who fucking wrote these songs with me. You know? yeah. You're highlighting writers and it looked great too. I mean, it was, yeah. was a shot on a red. It was looked like it was shot on like a oh, really yeah, nice no, like I was stuff. so lucky. Like my, yeah. yeah, no, I yeah. was like my project manager, her name's Shy. She was like so excited about it. She was like, we're getting good food and wine and we're going to get this beautiful space. And it was, um, it was perfect. Well, I love that it also recontextualizes um, Charlotte and Austin as well, who are artists and, uh, and feature on the record, but are also incredible writers. Right. And, like, Charlotte yeah. wrote on some of the songs on the record too. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it, it's cool to sort of... For those of you also who like, I, re- I released an album and then I put out a video right, right, right. talking about the record <laughs> with like all of the writers that table. I worked with. Um, yeah, like a little round table. And, um, you know, for me, it was like, you know, that video, it's like, I wasn't expecting that piece of content to be like a viral piece of content, but it's really cool to like hear people like you who are like in the industry mm-hmm. who like saw that video and who like really appreciate it and get it. And like, yeah. for me, that was the goal. You well, know? And, and that's the thing too, is like, you know, I don't think a lot of people listen to our podcast, but I think that everybody who does is is somebody who's like at some stage of this, whether it's a fan or somebody who's like in the industry trying to figure out what they're doing. Totally. And so I think that like, making those pieces of content. Like, I love the TikToks. I love the whatever. Like, you're hilarious. Like, I love just, like, <laughs> the different pieces of content people make. But when you have, like, some of the stuff that has... I don't want to be as, like, pretentious as to say, like, nutritional value. But, like, when it has mm. that kind of, like, thing that, like... I was inspired on yeah. Instagram. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, I woke up That's and great. I felt good about what, good. what like, uh-huh. when things were... And that doesn't happen. Yeah. So it was, just, it was nice. I said, yeah, I sent it to Noah. I'm like, this is how you do it. This uh, is how I do it. Yeah. Thank um, you. Seriously. Well, of course. Thank of you, course. Thank you, so thank, thank, you. thank you. And then, of course, a testament to you as well. I cold DM you and here we are. Dude, you know? no. <laughs> I mean, it's perfect. I mean, that's how it's done. That's how it's done. You yeah. know, I, the amount of cold messages that I have sent and still sent is you know infinite it's like to people i want to work with to people who i'm just fans of and i want them to know i love their music or whatever it is it's like send the message send the cold like that cold email you know that's so funny though too because honestly i think tiktok in a lot of ways has helped me discover so many artists under the radar Mm. who like i you know like would have never probably found like otherwise you know what i mean without like the verified whatever it's like i like have been able to find these just incredible writers I literally am obsessed with this girl, Kate Downey, who always shows up on my For You page. She's amazing. Who? Oh, oh, Isabel Pless. Do you, oh, yeah. We're recording an uh, episode with her tomorrow. I believe that's tomorrow's Shut episode. Yeah. Yeah. You have to. She knows that I'm a fan because I'm always like DMing her being like, you're so good. Oh, my God. But tell her tomorrow that you were with oh me and that God. I love her because I love her. Absolutely. We'll do And like, yeah, yeah she, I've, she's an amazing discovery. And, you know, that's that's the good side of TikTok, you know, that Absolutely. you're able to discover all these like new and up and coming artists. It's super well, cool. I mean, we're like a lot of our friends, we wound up like we're not really that active on TikTok, but a lot of the friends we made were through TikTok, usually because we're just scrolling. We're like, oh, you're really cool. Yeah. You're really mm-hmm. nice. Like, like Charlie Curtis Beard. Yeah. Who I, just got, I just got coffee just with this got morning. Some coffee with. Cool. And, Love that. Um, and M. Byhold. Uh, yes, yes. I was oh I was God. listening to her episode on the podcast before I came just to like oh, get awesome. a vibe but um yeah big fan of her that too. too that's that's yeah of course oh man of course of course of course yeah she's amazing obviously well all all friends I gotta check out Kate, what is it Kate Kate Downey I don't think she has any songs out as an artist but she posts songs that she writes I think APG just signed her like publishing wise oh, nice. so I know Holy that she's shit. working that's with fun. like write with yeah. artists and stuff um and I think I have a session with her at some point but I just like she is just like you'll, you the will, pod, yeah, maybe, yeah. you will like look her up on TikTok, listen to all of her videos, and you're gonna be like, oh, I get it. She's she's insane. So
it's, it's just so nice to meet you. And, and especially because what I love about the music industry as well, read the same five people, is that once you hear about somebody, you just see them everywhere. You don't like, like hearing about yeah, them. Yeah, you know, totally. Then all of a sudden, you're popping up on that story, this story, and all that Absolutely, story. Absolutely. Yeah. Totally. But um, let's dive into that because we have there are friends, there are great collaborators. I mean, I think Johnny was one of the first people that I worked with out here, which we wrote a cool song together, but I'm also so embarrassed. Noah wasn't in LA yet. And I'm like, I'm like, I needed Noah. Oh like, my God, I no. I mean, dude, there, I think know, like, like I, I, you know, it's, it's a journey, you know? It's like... And it's important to put yourself in those positions, in those rooms yeah. when you're, you know, challenging yourself. If it's just you and a producer, you know, I always like having a third too. But I think that there are days where it's like, that's it's good every once in a while, you yeah. know, because well, you're going to surprise yourself. It was, a, we were, I think, a little bit of a crutch for each other for a mm-hmm. bit. And I think that like, especially in the pandemic, we've shed that in a nice way, but especially those first year or years in, in LA. It took a lot. I was, yeah. It was very nerve wracking. Of course you know? it was. Same. same. Yeah. Like, I think you learn, same. I think you end up learning sometimes more from a bad session than you do from, from the good ones. I'm not ones. saying I had a bad session with Johnny. I'm, I'm saying that the song never happened and I always feel bad when that happens, even though it's just so that's, par for the that's course. That's literally it's our industry. so par for the course. Yeah. We're all going to have hundreds of songs. You can have a good session and not get the yeah. song. Totally. You can have a great time and the song doesn't come or you can have a terrible time and the song does come somehow even like by the skin of its teeth at the and like well, if anybody's gonna be fine with that, it's Johnny. But right. yeah, right. No, but I was listening to a podcast. It was like an A and R. I can't remember who it was, but they were talking about how if they like put their writers or an artist into a session, and like the artist comes back and they're like, "We didn't get a song, but I had the best time ever." She was saying how like that's such a good thing right. because it's like so much of the good songs that will happen is because of like the relationships that you create with those people. You know what I mean? So if if you go to a session and you don't get a song, but you talked for hours and you like created this bond with someone like that's equally as important and that's you doing your job just as much if yeah. you were to get a song you know well, what I mean? and that's a lot of the reason why we started this is because so much of my favorite part of the session was just this part yeah. but then mm-hmm. it would be like hey i only have like four hours to write and i'm just like well we just talked for two hours yeah. you know <laughs> yeah exactly um and and then, then i'm like you know racing to <laughs> try to write something it's, it's always the best part of every session those yeah. conversations but hey you know through johnny we met emily and i think our next single uh casper um mm-hmm. which might be out by the time this airs it might be cool. yeah. fucking crazy Probably will be. it took two go years stream but it. um go yeah, stream casper uh, yeah, fuck. <laughs> out thanks now. for the shout out of course but yeah she wrote that with us amazing uh, about a time i had in chicago so it's all Dude, fucking connected that's awesome yeah <laughs> emily i met so i I, when I moved here, I went to college in Boston. I was an English major. Where? I went to BU. Oh, okay. You're BU. We're Berkeley schmucks. Oh, yeah, we're Berkeley. Wait, how old are you guys? Uh, I'm 26. I'm oh, so we were there. Okay. Yeah, we probably know so many of the same people. Mm-hmm. I did acapella, so I knew a lot of like no the pitch slap people. Yeah, the pitch so slap people. Did you, did you know... Um, Rachel Gonzalez. Did you know Distilled Harmony? Dis- oh, of course. My oh. ex was in the Nor'easters. No nice. shit. Yeah. I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed with this. Um, the Creeks cover by the Nor'easters. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's the best. Our, our, so our friend <laughs> arranged it and I like begged him for the sheet music. I can't read sheet music, but I begged him just to have it. That's just, amazing. Like, look at it, just to look at it. You yeah, know? no, but yeah, I was out. I was out there and I always knew that music was what I wanted to do. But there was like the whole, I don't know, like it was probably like subconscious. Like my parents were never like, you can't go to music school. But like, I just like, I was like, I'm going to do music, but not study music. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Oh, you were an English major. I was yeah, an English major. Yeah, that, I started. Had to clock for a second. I know, yeah. weird. I started as a psych major and then I was like, this is not it. I want to like not be memorizing terms and flashcards and like this is not the way I want to learn. And I was like, maybe if I switch to English, it'll help me become a better writer. That was the reason I switched was because I wanted to become a better songwriter, which 
at the end of the day, I don't know if reading the Odyssey five different times <laughs> helped me figure out how to write pop songs. But I think for me, college was like the life experience and the friends and yeah. the relationships. And eventually I started writing outside of class and I was performing with my acapella group. And, you know, as I got to the end of college, I was like becoming more and more sure that this was the path I wanted to choose. And then after I graduated, I was in this relationship with this guy who like went to Northeastern and we had been together for like two years. And then I just thought I was staying in Boston. I was like, I want to be in this relationship. I can make music work from here. I'll post videos on YouTube. I'll find people at Berkeley to work with. I right. don't know. And then as like summer came and fall came after graduation, like it just became more and more clear that like I needed to move to LA. So we broke up and I moved here uh, like the, like the following October. And then I've been here ever since. So I'll do it. I know. Do it. I, I, know. I just love that. Did you live, live in, in Boston? I was camp? in Alston for three years. You were in uh, where, where in Alston? <laughs> where did you live? We started Berkeley in 2014. Uh, we were living on Com Ave. And then I lived on Com Ave. We were in 270. <laughs> I'm crying. Amazing. So then, then we were on Mass Ave for the second year at Berkeley. And then I dropped out. He stayed in mm. and we were living on Hemingway. Great. Oh, so um, you were in like Back Bay. Back we were Bay back for Bay. a while. Oh, yeah. got it. Okay, got yeah, it. Got yeah. it, got it. Got yeah, you were like on the other side. And then of we Kamav. moved to LA uh, September 2017, and well, then he moved back. To oh, finish we, so school. we moved here at the same time. Basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then I, was, I lived in Packard's Corner. Uh, that's that's where 1185. Oh, was. really? Yeah. There was like that Berkeley building, like on one of those, yeah the like, practice like, space. The, yeah, the practice yeah. space that yeah. was like around the corner. But like literally, did you ever play Great Scott? No, but I saw amazing shows there and it, it's closed now. You know that. Yeah, it's yeah, like really yeah. sad. Okay, no, um, there was a thing to save it. Is it coming it. back? Uh, one of the guys there like did a whole thing to save it. Oh my God. I think they I saved hope. it. I, I hope just remember this. It. I remember being like in that because it's a small intimate venue. Yeah. yeah. But like I was like the sound it was so good here. Like I was oh, just like. we loved it. It was such a great space. So yeah, Boston was, it was a great place for school. Like we such a good time. Open for Penn Badgley of you cool. fame and uh, and Brass Tracks. Cool. Scott, those were our fuck yeah, uh, the great Scott days. Oh, That's and then amazing. Vancouver Sleep Clinic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, anyway, I love that. Matter. Yeah, that um, was right across the street. That was my home. I love it. I, it's just such a small world. I know. I, I that's know. what I mean. I feel like you, like we have been parallel for like a minute. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I was acapella boy. And then by the end of college, I was like, okay, I'm done with acapella. I need to like start. I love really that you were an acapella person. I feel like you do learn a lot from that experience. So much. Anytime I'm in a session and I'm recording harmonies, a lot of time producers are like, oh, you did that really quick. I'm like, <laughs> you can thank college acapella, honestly. You know, so yeah, in terms of like arranging like vocals in that kind of way, for sure. And then also like performing. Like yeah. I feel like my stage presence and like my comfortability on stage was like very much you know, because of all of the shows and competitions we did. Well, I think it also forces you to be a good collaborator because nobody, like other, unless you're the soloist, you're, you are really just that one note at, on that one arpeggio. You Absolutely. Know? <laughs> no, very true. Mm -hmm. Like such, such good collaboration. I, you know, it sounds cheesy, but like the listen louder than you sing kind yeah. of stuff. It's yeah. like, it's very similar to writing songs in rooms with people, you know? Like, um, listen to your collaborators. Yeah, I, I remember when my friend who was in an acapella group referred to a minor second as a crunchy chord, and that was <laughs> everything. That I, I very much understand <laughs> that <Yeah. laughs> crunchy because she did, she didn't know that that's what it was, but she's like, yeah, the crunch chord. I'm like, that's what we're calling that's it, it. That's that's it. it. Is. We, yeah. all the, all of our Berkeley knowledge. Throw it the fuck out, dear. Crunch chords are not crunch chords. That's so amazing. Like, that's I, I love crunchy <laughs> chords. We love crunchy chords. So how did how did so, you know yeah? So then, Johnny, so you know? basically, I was like, I need to move to LA. So a friend who was in the North 
nor'easters, actually, she had like moved out here. She knew my ex and she was like, oh, my boyfriend is actually looking for a place to live. You should move in with him. His name's Will J. So he is an amazing songwriter and artist out here too. And we moved in together and we moved into a place in Glendale. That was like my first apartment in LA. And I had already known Johnny from growing up because we both kind of grew up outside of Chicago and we knew of each other. But when I moved to LA, I found out that Johnny was also working with Will and, you know, we already had that connection. So we were like, we should all do a session together. And Will is like absolutely amazing. And he's he looks like, familiar. He's a yeah. huge reason of he's just like a huge part of like me finding myself as a writer when I first got here. And so me, him and Johnny did a session. We wrote a song called Be With Me. That was my very first single. And that's kind of how I met Johnny. But then I met Emily because she came over to my place to have a session with Will because they're friends. Oh shit. Um, and she helped write a couple of his songs. And so I remember like meeting her in my apartment, being like, Oh, hey nice to meet you like they were working together and at the time I was like door dashing and post mating so I I would always be like I'm gonna go deliver food but it was so good to see you and then eventually we like hung out I met Alex and then over time you know we started writing together and then Alex became my music director and you know that's how we became super close but then yeah I met people through her and then through Will and then through Johnny it's just like all like domino effect which I I love because I I think I met Emily because I was at Johnny's and she was she was at Johnny's. Cool. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah, it was just, he was like, I'm going to have a session with whoever's here today. And cool. then that's who, who was there. But, yeah, I'm the um, She's the best. Uh, yeah. But yeah, uh, so then I kind of just moved here. And then once I moved in with Will and started working with Johnny and stuff, it kind of just became like cold messaging session kind of thing and grinding and working side hustles and all of that. And just tried working with as many people as possible. And then once Be With Me came out, I'm sure you know what Submit Hub is. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, oh, yeah. Obviously. Uh, oh, we're familiar. We, yeah, we're very, we're all very familiar. My therapist is also familiar with I, it. Yeah. Trust me. <laughs> trust me. It was, it was very much the like, I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing, but I'm going to submit this to like labels and stuff. What year was this? This was 2017, 2018. Oh, yes. Yeah. That was the heyday. Yeah, exactly. No, oh, yeah. yeah. Very, very intense time for Submit Hub. Yeah. And, you know, 100 no's, but then woke up to one yes. Yeah. And then Armada, which is like a dance label, ended up distributing the song and it ended up like getting some playlists. And then I'm kind of just like rolling through the whole journey. But okay. like this guy from Sweden ended up hearing it and he became my manager for a sec and he flew me to Stockholm. I wrote songs there. <laughs> it was like very weird. It was all within my first year. And then I got back from Sweden and I was like, I'm literally so broke. I literally have zero money. I need to get a new job. So then like I just got a new job. I kept writing. And the then so for a while I was like delivering food and then there was like a post-production studio in Santa Monica that would like mix audio for commercials, but it was like super bougie. So I was client service. There was like an espresso bar, an alcohol bar. I was like making drinks and coffee and I was basically, basically barista. Well, here's what I, here's what I appreciate. Um, I appreciate that you, you did the delivery thing and all that stuff. I was, um, I was doing Uber eats in Boston on my bike, Mm -hmm. like not a motorcycle on my bike. I had a pizza under one arm and I was biking in Southie (laughs) at at 11 PM. Um, and I just, but I think that like, we have to do a lot of hard work in this music thing. You know, when the master comes in and you have to set it up for distro and, or whatever, you need to make this content or that content, or you're going to pull late hours. You're going to do whatever. But like, I don't think I ever worked harder. Than when I was biking up that fucking oh, hill. Oh, dude, yeah. totally. I, but it's also, it's like, we're lucky because that felt like work. And yeah. when we make music, it doesn't feel like work. Yeah. But yeah. it is work. And like, I think that's, even as like an artist today, I struggle with that a lot, honestly, where it's like, you know, I live with two roommates who aren't in the music industry and they have like these nine to five jobs. 
And it's like, you know, sometimes I'm, I feel like I'm not being productive when I'm being so productive. You know what yeah. I mean? It's well, like, and also, my two best friends, they're in Philly and they just, they clock in, they clock out, you know, work from home, like a blend, whatever. But like my, my best friend, like since I was a kid, you know, he's like, when work is over, I'm playing video games, I'm cooking dinner. Like yeah. it is over. It doesn't really and, mm-hmm. and exist for, for, for me. Us. It's like, it just doesn't, you can't shut it off. And I think in a lot of ways, because it doesn't always feel like work. You work more. You work more because you don't have any boundaries. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like you, you can know? make a TikTok at 10 p.m. Yeah. You can, you get an idea and you need to record it because you don't want to lose the idea. But it's like after work hours or before work hours. And it's like, yeah, it becomes something that, you know, sparks joy for you, which is like, you know, we're so lucky to do that. But it, we you're end up getting burnt on. out. You're always on. We're I mean, always, you're always on. on. And, and that's the other thing, too, is that like I used to view salary jobs as like, oh, God, what if I have a great idea at my job, I'm still going to get the same amount at the end of the week. Mm-hmm. Whereas like if we have a great idea, if you make a great TikTok, if we write a great song, we could be looking at thousands of dollars, hundreds of thousands, whatever. Like the gamble on ideas or like the the expectation on ideas can go forever. And on the one hand, that is why I love what we do because like, cool, my ideas have value. Mm-hmm. Like my ability to come up with things has a dollar value. Yeah. On the other side of it. You have to create that value. You have yeah. to actually put in the hours to turn the idea into something. Or I I feel I feel on my worst days like I'm wasting like money or, mm. or wasting the potential mm. of having something mm. by playing video games or enjoying dinner. Yeah, you know, yeah it's like, like you could be making a TikTok right now that could maybe blow up and maybe it'll change your life forever. Yeah, so exactly. Like, so you're playing video games like an asshole. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. But I you need to buy dog food, you piece of shit. I know. Like, <laughs> I know. Yeah, I think it's like. I, well, it's funny because I was listening to the M episode that you guys did with her and she was talking about, you said something about like, it's how it's so important to have like hobbies outside of music. And it's so true. It's so true. Like you need, like for me, it's cooking. I love mm-hmm. to cook. So like for me, it's like, that's my stress reliever. I can actually put my phone down and like not even want to look at it if I'm cooking. Yeah. So I'm like really into food and like really into cooking. And that always is like really, really important for me. And it's like, we need to do that for our sanity. You know, it's just so easy. And I talk about this in therapy all the time. It's just so easy to like never clock out, you know, yeah. and um, it's a blessing and a curse because there are days where you're in sessions and you're like, wow, this is my life. And yeah. I'm so fucking grateful that I get to do this and then there are days where like the algorithm is like ruining your life and you like are spiraling and it's terrible and then you you know like my OCD is like okay this didn't perform well so I need to post another one tonight and then if that doesn't perform well and then I'm up at like three in the morning and I'm like what the fuck am I doing go to sleep like get some rest you know like take a step back well my brain also does this terrible thing where it'll be like throughout the day I'll be like oh you're too tired or you're not like this enough to make that TikTok or you're not this enough to like finish that idea that you had or like whatever. And Mm -hmm. then 2am rolls around and my brain's like, well, you're not tired enough to go to sleep yet. Mm -hmm. You're not tired enough to like, call it a night mm-hmm. and it's like this like productivity kind of catch 22 for sure you know? for sure i mean also god it's important to have hobbies but i also don't necessarily have to have a hobby that i'm not trying to monetize yeah. for sure and and that mentality is how we get to nfts you know what i mean like the, mm. the mentality of trying to monetize fucking everything yes. is how you get to you know unfettered capitalism etc cetera, etc cetera. but like so true. but ultimately like i understand how you get there because my brain that's how it works mm-hmm. like i got really into blend like making like 3d animation 
animation, like cool. Blender, like for two weeks, you know, a couple months back. And then I was like, well, how do I use this? Yeah. Can't use it. Never totally. mind. Bye. Yeah. yeah, no, it's literally like, oh, you like to cook? You should make videos about cooking and right. post it on your exactly. YouTube yes. channel. Like yes. you should post it on socials. And it's like, yes, I can do that. I totally can do that. But also like, I just want to cook and yeah. enjoy my You're playing three hours video games today. Why don't you make a fucking Twitch? Yeah, you know? no, like, yeah. T- literally, yes. And it's like, you know, I love my team and I appreciate every and in a lot of ways it's like it's true it's like it could be like it could be easy for me to just like set up my phone and like record me cooking and do like a time lapse and just like whatever safe space but but it's a safe space and it's Mm -hmm. like as you know artists and kind of content creators because that's just like what we need to do nowadays yeah that's just like the mindset and the thought process so for me it's like when I'm able to I want to put the phone down cook a nice meal better yet cook a meal for friends and enjoy mm-hmm. that kind of songwriter dinner moment like that's my how I like to socialize that's just like that's my escape you know and so it's very important to do that even like when I toured at the end of the year you know because it was like it went from like November to December there was like months where I didn't write and now I'm like writing so much and I'm like I guess I was working because I was on tour but like I'm so happy I took a break from sessions because now I'm like I feel inspired again you know what well, I mean that's I mean I don't think we ever would have voluntarily taken a break from sessions had it not been for the pandemic yeah yeah, totally. And I don't know. I don't know if we'd still be a band mm. if we had kept doing that grind over and over and sure. over. Because once there was a little bit of quiet, the amount of shit that we wound up making together and individually mm-hmm. was insane. Totally. You know? Yeah. And I, I feel like I mentioned when you came in, I want to talk about this on the podcast because yeah. I think this all relates to rugs. And I want to talk very <laughs> yeah. briefly. I need to hear this rug analogy because, yeah, I'm, I I'm very intrigued. I want to talk briefly about rugs. Yeah, talk to me. Okay. Everybody listening to this podcast knows that like my brain is just baked in to value systems. Like, Mm -hmm. is what you are giving equal to what you're getting in some capacity, whether it's money or emotional or creative or like whatever, like, is that equal? And Noah and I have lived in this house for for four years and the downstairs looked terrible. And we yes, never it looked like a frat house it, for literally years. It was almost like a, like a, like a, like imagine like a big living room that's mostly used for storage. Yeah. yeah. And it just wasn't a place you wanted to go down. Sure. Like a place you wouldn't even want to like hang out in. In the four years we were there, I think I, I could count how many hours cumulatively I spent down there on my hands, you know, and it just wasn't, wasn't nice. And every time we talked about making it nice, Noah brought up that a rug would tie the room together. <laughs> and in my head, I'm thinking to myself, okay, a rug is $120. How much is a tying a room together worth to me? Doesn't, I can't do that math. That math doesn't feel right to me, so I'm not going to get a rug. Like, okay, uh, can you sit on the rug? Does it make your feet feel good when you walk on it? Like, what's the value here? I don't see it. No. What's the I, use case What's here? the use case here? Yeah, yeah. And, and that's all my brain could think about. Like, that's all I was able to think about because that's how we've been sort of programmed in this world sure. a little bit. And then two days ago, we went to Ikea. <laughs> I'm the behest of our partners a little bit, but I acquiesced and we got a rug and it ties the room it looks together. So good. It looks so damn good. <laughs> like we had friends over last night. We all just spent the entire evening down there, which never happens. And we fixed I, the lighting in the kitchen, which I'm very happy about. It feels good. And I don't know what the value of feeling good is. And I think that like maybe that's 2022 is trying to find mm. the value of feeling good. Because yeah. that's what you're talking about. For sure. Like, let's say your cooking TikTok makes you, you know, if, if you did it, $20,000 yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Like, or maybe you get a sponsorship from a Cuisinart. <laughs> totally. <laughs> you right. know, whatever. Is that equal to feeling good? Mm. Yeah. Because I, I, I wouldn't trade Smashburger last night for... For $10,000 in, yeah. in, in a sense. If, yeah, if no. that comes with 
a new career, if that came with like me having to make an entirely new brand of content, like I don't think that'd be a worthy trade. I think that the sacredness of just making food for friends and just being in our house and laughing and crying and sharing where we're at in our lives, like that is so sacred. It's such a safe space. And like that has that MasterCard, it's priceless thing about it. I love that we mm. we cheers a drink, a cocktail that you made and nobody had a phone out. Yeah. You know? No, it's it's all of us whose job to create content, none of us made content out of last night because it just didn't feel right. Yeah. I think that there's like a lot of areas and, you know, moments where you kind of like make that decision. Like Mm -hmm. You know, like, is this something I want to, like, monetize or whatever? Or is this just something I want to, like, enjoy and cherish and value, like, right now in this moment? And I think that, like, for a night, like, what you guys had last night, it's like, yeah, you have, like, the friends over, you have the dinner, and you enjoy that, and you spend time, quality time together. You know what I mean? But then... You know, there are other days where it's like, you got to remember too, it's like you're running a business and if there's a good opportunity, you you take it, you know, it's like, it's like certain decisions where it's like, this isn't worth, it's not worth the money. I just want to like do this to enjoy, you know what I mean? And I just feel like there are like different opportunities that present themselves in those ways. And yes, for those priceless moments, like for me too, I'm like the same as you. It's like, I wouldn't trade that for anything. And we, we call them deals with devils. Like we've done that. Like it's okay to like, it's okay to make a deal with the devil for what it's worth. Like if you like what you get you know totally. there's a song by the punch brothers i'm wearing a punch brothers sweater right now nice. there's a song uh, by the punch brothers called uh part of the plan mm-hmm. and he talks about you know uh making a deal with the devil and it's just like i forget what the actual line is but if you think that i'm you know damned or whatever you should see the fool at the end of the deal mm-hmm. you know like <laughs> like you know i and i think that it's important to know what devils to make deals with yeah ap- um, yes and how sure. much of your soul you're willing to sell because i'm i'm actually okay with selling my soul but i definitely know where my line is i didn't for a while mm-hmm. yeah oh yeah you have to learn that is. You definitely yeah. have to learn that for sure, um, especially in this industry. Because you could monetize everything. Yeah. yeah, that's I think the hardest part about living in 2022. You know, it's like I took a nice photo of Noah during a particularly interesting time in Joshua Tree, mm-hmm. and that photo means a lot to me. And you can also make it an NFT. Right. You know, and it's like, and I'm I'm not going to do that. Right. But it's just like reconciling totally. these things yeah. is is complicated. I know. What I'm curious is, and maybe it is the cooking, but you know, in if your if your brain was was a room, what's what's tying the room together? <gasps> Ooh, Ooh, that's a lovely question. Wow. So this needs to be like a piece that like would be in a room. Maybe, or, like... or it's a thing. It could be something you do or a ritual or something. I've never asked that question before, but I but I'm justifying the rug tangent. <laughs> well, it's funny because it's like, what's a room with like out the people that's like filling it, right? Mm, and it's like for me, beautiful. it's like that's what makes any room you're in for any session is the people. And for me, people people is what made college like the best experience. It's what's made now like LA a place I actually say like I like to live in Mm because for a long time I didn't. And, you know, people love finding things to say about LA, how much they hate it. And obviously it's like there are things about every city that like people don't like. I mean, it's like, yeah, I don't love sitting in traffic, but I also don't love being stuck in a blizzard if I were in New York. You know what I mean? It's like there's give and take. I've done Chicago winter. That shit sucks. Chicago winter too. (laughs) It's like, yeah, exactly. So it's like for me, the people People bring it together and that's what makes it home, you know? Well, and I think uh, I was literally having this conversation yesterday, which is that I grew up in tiny cluttered rooms. 
Mm. And so I didn't know about interior decoration <laughs> as a concept. Yeah. My room growing up, I had people write on the walls whenever mm-hmm. they visited. So by the time we moved out, it was just covered in Sharpie of just all the people who had been there. And what I was saying is that even, you know, as we're making these changes, seeing the joy that those changes are bringing to the people around, that for me, you're right. It's the people in the rooms. The you people. Know? And maybe a good candle. And a good candle. I'm a candle guy. Can so, I ask you a question though? Yeah. Are you a pastry candle or a woodsy candle? Ooh, like sweet versus like, yeah, yeah, no, I'm more, I don't really go for like the vanilla. I'm, mm. I go for more of like the woody or Oak like moss, the jasmine yeah. kind of scents, that kind of thing. More floral. Kira's apartment smells like a cake. Yeah. Like she loves, she loves candles that smell like carbs. To, to, like the, to the point where like I give her, whenever I like am given a candle or whatever, if it smells even remotely like dessert, like dessert <laughs> I just give it to her. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I like my woodsy. Totally. Moss, totally. Like, yeah. In the fall, I'm into the apple, like right. pumpkin spice vibes. Sure. But that's like the only time I'll go like sweet kind of. My partner's mom gave me an apple cider and that was about as far as I'd go. Love. Yeah. Love. love, love, um, love. We're going on all these tangents. I know. Oh my God. I, I, I love it though. Um, yeah. Uh, let's let's do another origin story of a friendship. How do you know Austin? Okay, okay. So Austin, so because it's not Chicago. It's not Chicago. No, but you're she, from Chicago. I am from Chicago, okay. and she she went to college in Chicago, but right. she's from okay. Park City. Gotcha. Okay. So basically, right before COVID, I did my first. It wasn't really a tour. I did a show in New York. Well, no, it was a tour. I did a show in New York, LA, and then Chicago, and then while we were in the Midwest, we did Milwaukee and Detroit. And so when we were deciding to go to the Midwest, we were just like, honestly, we were looking for an opener and her team reached out. And so she was opening for me for Milwaukee, Detroit, Chicago, and it was blizzarding in Milwaukee. And she walked in like with her band and we kind of just hit it off. And like, we just like (laughs) immediately, like we knew we had mutual connections through Chicago people. Um, So we were talking about that. And then we just, you know, I saw her perform and she saw me perform and like, we just hit it off and we became super close. And like her boyfriend Drew was there at the time. And it's so funny because when we met, that was kind of at the beginning of their relationship. And now like all of us, you know, years later, it's like they're living together and like I go to their place for sessions and it's just, it's really beautiful. But is that the same Drew that produced? Yes. Oh, wow. So so then after, so we did the shows and then literally COVID hit. And then we were like, uh, okay. And we we had our first session on Zoom because Austin and Drew went back to Chicago. I was in LA and we wrote a song called Tomorrow that's actually on my game. I love Tomorrow. We wrote that on, that was the first session I had with them. And it was on Zoom because of the pandemic over Zoom. Good stuff. Good stuff. That's one of my favorite on the record. Thank you. Thank you. It's no, it's it's an amazing song. And it was like, that was the moment where I was like, and all of us were like, oh, we can make really magical stuff together. So we kept writing and writing and then we wrote I Just Want to Be Loved over mm-hmm. Zoom. Austin was in LA at the time, but Drew was in Chicago. And just like the more time we spent writing and hanging out, the closer we got. And then they live with this incredible artist writer. Her name's Katie Donnelly, but she goes by Kate the Dreamer. Mm. And then she started like joining in on all these sessions. And then we did like a Big Bear trip last April. That's awesome. and, Wonderful. You know, we wrote Till It Hurts. And then we wrote a song that Austin put out. But yeah, no, it was really just that's how it really started. And now they're just like some of my best friends here. So. I love that. Yeah. Is there a line in tomorrow that really stands out for you? Oh my God. Something that like so ties many. the room together. Yeah. So many <laughs> lines. Um, oh, I, I love, I love when Austin says, I'm sorry for saying I'm sorry right now. I wouldn't even want me. Why do I hate that? I'm sorry for saying I'm sorry right now. Even I wouldn't want me. I remember like writing that with them and just 
you know, I'm someone who says sorry for everything. Like I over apologize because I have abandonment issues and I never want anybody mad at me. And it's even funny at the beginning of this, you were like, it seems like everybody likes you. And to be honest, I'm like, that makes me so happy. And that's (laughs) like, like, that's who I am. That's how I was raised. Like those Midwestern values. Like for me, it's like my friendships are like, we're tight. You know, if you're going to be my friend, we're going to be like super close. Mm -hmm. That's just like how I work. And so, you know, I just always say sorry for things that I don't even need to apologize for. So I feel like that that moment of the song, even though I'm not singing it, every time Austin sings it, I'm, I just I feel it in my bones. Well, I, you know? I think that the closest experience you can get to uh, your own song meeting you where you are in the way that other songs do is totally. when you have somebody else singing Absolutely. a line or whatever. You For know, like sure. I love what you say about friendships, though, because like I'm from a small town in, in New York, so like my best friend, the one I was talking about earlier, mm-hmm. like I've been friends with him since I was six. Yeah, and we're still like I, you know, I'll talk to him probably later today. You know, and that's actually I think because Noah moved around a lot as a kid. Yeah. Yeah. So I had that expat life where like, you know, mm, people were moving countries every, every two, three years. So it's like forming attachments became in some ways more intense, like in some ways more meaningful, but in a lot of ways less meaningful because you need to go yeah, you're ready for everyone to leave you at any time. Yeah, but, but I was like, but, you know, hey, no, I know that we've only known each other, uh, you know, for three months, but you're gonna be my friend for the rest of my life. Sorry. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, just how that's it's literally go it. Yeah. Absolutely. Like my college friends are most of them are in New York. A lot of them are here, too. I live with one of them and I've lived with other college friends while in LA too um but like those friends in New York we talk like basically every day also worth mentioning because he wasn't a part of the songwriter dinner table but the guy who does all my music videos I've known since first grade yeah they're so cool that's awesome I love that yeah so he we were best friends starting in first grade we were in like the school musical together it was called the cheese stands alone I was the cheese and he was the rat and we were (laughs) we were best friends but then one day he deserts me and I don't know why but at the end we find out it's because he's lactose intolerant. Oh no! So you know it was it was very heavy, you very know, heavy. for for a first grade musical. Yeah. I suppose it's um, good that he was though; otherwise, you would be eaten. Oh, exactly. There's exactly. a metaphor here somewhere. I'm yeah. happy that he didn't eat me. Yeah. Um. But yeah, no, he went to USC for film, and so oh, when I, I moved that. here, he did my first music video, and then he's done most of the videos for Mind Games. Well, I was gonna ask: Are you a film nerd? I I love movies. I feel like it depends on how you define film nerd. Well, like just, uh, lo- I love movies, the, absolutely. You're, you have an intro. Oh, for with, oh, that's yeah. cinematic as fuck. Yes. Yeah. Oh, for oh, like on the on the album. On the record, yeah, yeah, that was like. But th- that's a very I like movies start of a oh, I fucking love that. That's yeah. like, I love how it, it's like, I like movies and Ariana Grande. Like, yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Exactly. It's like, the, I feel like Raindrops was kind of like another like inspo for that kind of intro. I, yeah, I wanted it to be dramatic because also oh, like uh, I'm dramatic and I grew up doing theater and, mm-hmm. you know, performing in that way. And so that intro, that like orchestral kind of moment is, yeah, it's is like, so it's cool. It's a great album intro. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. We're recovering it. theater kids. My mom's yeah. actually like a theater teacher oh, in New cool. York. Yeah, like, yeah. For after school. <laughs> I fucking love that. Yeah, no, that was, I, I love that you noticed that but yeah very cinematic for sure very very cinematic and charlotte wrote on that too right so yeah so i wrote the intro with charlotte charlotte also helped me write better in my head mm-hmm. and then how'd y'all did- meet so i was a fan and um my publisher you know they're they're all in nashville they basically just set up the session and then me and charlotte just clicked she's and- the best friend of the pod yeah um pod. i also sticks and stones is crazy thank you like it's you guys both sound so good like thank together you. and like each verse is like awesome thank you um is there a line in that song that stands out to you i mean i just the like, chorus is insane i think the of, chorus alone yeah like, i mean for me it, it is mostly the chorus I remember 
I wrote down, I wanted to write a song called Sticks and Stones because I was like having a day where I was like, words definitely hurt me. <laughs> and I want to write about that. And with me and Charlotte, a lot of the time I will come in with an idea or like some sort of like the first half of a line of what will be the tag. And then she'll just like blurt out the tag. And I'm like, that's fucking it. So with better in my head, I was like, maybe I should touch myself instead. And she was like, oh, because they're always fucking better in your head. Maybe I should touch myself instead because they're always fucking better in my head. Better in my- and I was like, literally, yeah. And I, for Sticks and Stones, I was like, I want to write a song called Sticks and Stones. And then Charlotte was like, yeah, because like words fucking kill me. And I was like, So I was yeah, going to ask also, you guys don't, you guys sense to yourself on the record. No, wait, wait what do you mean? Oh, maybe I, do you have a clean version? I have of a the clean record? version. Then I maybe was just listening to the clean version. Yeah. I've been listening to the clean version. Oh, funny. Actually, <laughs> I honestly, I'm gonna text my manager after this because I got a DM the other day that was like, "Did you take out the swears on Mind Games?" And I was like, "No, I don't know. May, I'm, there might be a glitch where the default when you click on it is clean, but there is like the explicit album is out." So. Oh, because I, I swear a lot in my songs. So I was going to ask, like, are you against... I was literally... I, had a, I have a question. Cursing? No, Cursing I'm like... Yeah. I'm so all funny. about the curse. I mean, always fucking better in my head. Till it hurts is... I love you so fucking good. If he's in your bed is... Uh, I talk about shitty head. Right. I'm right. like, yeah. I'm like, I'm not filtered in swearing. There are clean versions out, um, but definitely explicit versions because I like to swear in my songs. I think it's important to. I do. I do. My, my mom used to give me shit about um, swearing in songs because she's like... I come from a very literary family. Like... Mm. My grandfather was what, in she book thinks it's filler. Like, my mom would say, like, you know, an intelligent person would come up with other words. And I'm just like, so Shakespeare? Yeah. 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 Also, it's like, it's, it's. <laughs> Your calls a Shakespeare, ma? When I swear, those are moments where I'm not trying to sound smart. I'm trying to sound real. I'm yeah. trying to sound like I talk. And I, I feel like I oftentimes there are situations where swearing is filler or it feels gratuitous. It's definitely a stylistic thing that you learn over time. But there's a huge difference between in a song, especially if it's an important line saying sticks and stones will hurt me or sticks and stones will fucking hurt me. Oh, or, yeah. Like, that's emotion. I love you or I fuck you. It, like it adds like emotion, adds a different flavor. Totally. It changes the connotation sometimes. Like it's it's not just it's not filler. Like it no. is it is a very clear part of your palette as a writer. I agree. I agree 100%. Yeah, swearing, I'm always like, and it's funny because in sessions, even with If He's In Your Bed, I did that with Johnny and then Riley Beaterer, who like oh, I yeah, fucking yeah, love. Yeah, yeah, She's yeah, yeah. so Heart fucking break good. Heartbreak back? Let's yeah, 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 yeah. On, let's go, let's go. On. She's amazing. I remember I, like we were talking about shitty head and she was like, we were just like, should we do this? And I was like, we're doing this. Like, mm-hmm. I want to say shitty head. I just do. So like we did it. And it, I think that that's why people ended up liking the song. You well, know and, I mean? and that's the thing is that like, I think there's a difference between introspection and self-awareness. Mm. And I think that like too often, like writers will write a song where they're like, oh, I'm being vulnerable. But that, I think in calling that what that is, mm. is almost taking away from the vulnerability because it's you're being vulnerable with an awareness of the audience. Mm. Whereas like, I think true vulnerability is like standing naked in a mirror kind of thing. For sure. So mm-hmm. to speak. For sure. I'm terrified of mirrors. So wouldn't it be me. Yeah. But yeah, once you start to bring in audience, vulnerability is part of it. But I, th- I think the difference in vulnerability and exhibitionism is an awareness for the audience. For sure. And I think that mm. often Oftentimes artists will say I'm being vulnerable, but there is an awareness for the audience and it almost, I think, undercuts it. Yeah. yeah totally and, and what that. I like about when you have curses that do feel like you were in the booth and it just came out of you, mm-hmm. you know, that that's almost. It's real. That's real. Because that's that's what you would do if you were saying it to somebody. Totally. You know, like that's, when we're having a conversation, you're not going to pull your punch on that, you know. Absolutely. So I don't know that I feel like I'm going to spend the rest of the season trying to dive into the minutia of vulnerability versus exhibitionism because there is a lot. I think a lot of um, posturing about being vulnerable in the post Julia Michaels era 
era mm-hmm. of stuff or the post JP Sachs era of Who's, stuff. Yeah, Julia's always been one of my biggest into Of those. course. Okay. And that's the thing. They do it so, so well. But mm-hmm. I think everybody who then tries to do that, it's like, and this is my most vulnerable song. It's like, I appreciate it. I'm sure it was challenging. I don't want to undercut. I don't want to, but it's not, it is not the same as like Bon Iver in the cabin. For sure. You know, those are different experiences. Can both still be good. I totally But get they're that. not the same. Yep. You know? Absolutely. I feel uh, that for sure. But I could talk about that. I literally talked about that for an I hour. Love that. I love that. I love that. But, um, um, but yes, cursing. Cursing. We love cursing. So you are, you are cursing on your record. Cursing on the record. <laughs> no and I were, were literally talking That's about it. That's so weird. <laughs> I'm going to get that fixed. We're okay. going to fix that. Thank you for bringing that up. Of yeah. course. You know, come to Talking Line. Come for the conversation. Stay for the troubleshooting. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, we love that. We need that. I really appreciate a lot of, and I, I'm going to say it forever, just the collaborative spirit around your music, the the, you. the the genuine vulnerability in, in your music, and also that you are somebody who you can tell puts that work in. Thank you. Like, I, I even just like, I think the way you, you carry yourself, you can't see it on the podcast, but even the way you carry yourself, you can tell this is somebody who spends a lot of time thinking about what the right steps are mm. and how to take care of not just yourself, but the people around you. That's, Thank you. That's the whole, that's the, the whole, job. That's, yeah. And, and to what you're saying about like, worrying about people liking you or whatever I always I think my my hope always with this this podcast is that at the end of the conversation it's not about whether or not we like each other or don't it's about whether or not we know each other For mm-hmm. sure. because I think if you know somebody like and dislike are no longer words that are part of that Totally. Yeah. I agree 100%. (laughs) And also, I just, I guess I wanted to add this with like the vulnerability thing because a part of my brain is like, and I don't know if you were planning on bringing it up, but there's a part of me that's like, I appreciate that you haven't asked me yet about what it's like to be a gay artist or a queer (laughs) artist. Cause sometimes I feel like, like it's hard. Like I don't like, like I am a songwriter and an artist who is like very proudly gay and very openly gay, but like, I don't like being labeled as like that gay artist. You know what I mean? But I did this panel once during the pandemic for some sort of queer event. And it was me with some other queer artists on the panel. And it was like over Zoom. But one of them was just saying how like the question was kind of like, what is it like to make like queer art or whatever? Mm. Or like something along the lines of that. And I remember whoever answered the question, they were like, anything we do is like inherently queer. You know what I mean? And like for me and my music, I feel like me saying I'll go to his place or you know like using those pronouns like for me I don't need to say like this is me being very vulnerable but that's like a way I'd say like I'm being vulnerable because I'm trying to like change the way people ingest mainstream music I want there to be pronouns that you might not be used to hearing on the radio but it sounds like something that you'd hear on the radio and to me that's like vulnerability because that's like my identity and like you know I came out when I was 15 and that was like a whole journey and whatever and it's a huge part of who I am and so I think that's another way I like to show my vulnerability in my music is just like literally being very open and honest with like who I love because at the end of the day when I was younger I listened to straight artists all the time because I had to and I found ways to relate to them because I that's just it's the feeling and so for me it's like anybody can hear that and relate to the feeling but I guess also it's like especially going on tour too and like seeing how many queer people are able to like hear the songs and like be like I'm hearing myself finally in in music it's like that's like one of the things I'm most proud of for sure. And I appreciate you saying like all this I think in a lot of ways it just doesn't clock for us anymore like Mm -hmm. I think that 
uh, one, we just kind of assume everybody's queer. Yeah. Point. Like, <laughs> also that. Yeah. Just, everybody's, everybody is so hot. Like yeah. everybody <laughs> all over the place yeah. is so hot. And and it's just, I think, up to the individual to realize, uh, <laughs> realize, totally. realize that. But I mean, I think the other thing too is like, if you told me that you grew up in like Virginia, or if you told me that you grew up like in a, a place where like the biggest tree is more obvious, I would have been like, did you have, have trouble. that stuff? Yeah. Not yeah. to say that bigotry doesn't exist in Chicago. Totally. But, but you're right. But I was that, very lucky. I was very fortunate. Well, I'm, I'm more just that like to the degree that it's part of your story it's part of your story but you're not making queer art unless that's, you want to be making that, queer art that's you know? the thing I was going to say the, the impression I got from your record the thing I really liked about it because I didn't necessarily know that about you from the get-go I listened to the record I was like oh here's a queer person but yeah. that's not what the record's about like yeah. it is part of your experience just because that is who you are totally but it's also you don't centralize that part of the narrative it's just part of the narrative because that's who you are totally. and that's just the art you're making and it's it strikes such a Thank wonderful you. balance of just like oh yeah this is just like it's part of the story but it's not the story the stories are the stories that you're telling in your music exactly and it's just it just it adds to the experience but it's also separate from the experience because really i think nice i also like i feel like i've spent time you know i think every queer artist spends time being like you know i don't want to pigeonhole myself mm -hmm. as like that queer artist like we're every queer artist i know that i work with who i look up to it's like we all feel the same like we want to be seen as artists just like straight artists are seen as artists you know what i mean like writers like non-queer writers are just seen as songwriters we're songwriters and we're artists but like do i get a fucking kick out of the fact that there's a song called trevor on my album like fuck yeah, yeah I think that's yeah, fucking exactly. cool like I love that and I like that's probably like one of my favorite songs on the album because I just I wish I had it when I was a kid mm -hmm. I wish I had that song I mean it's it's <laughs> it's a journey for everyone but I think the best thing we can do is like be honest yeah, yeah. and exactly. it's like you know well, what was it like when you were 15 like what was that journey like well it was really I, I'm very lucky I have the best family ever it was like a pretty heavily like Jewish community um, are you Jewish? I'm Jewish hell yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, it's a, not I'm obvious by everything about me <laughs> I mean same I'm like we got this, the, the Jewish scruff going yeah. on but um but yeah no coming out I actually my parents were the first people to find out and they found out because I was talking to someone on the internet oh, shit. and left my Facebook logged on my mom's computer oh. so they found out and then they were like we love you no matter what obviously and I just don't think I was ready at the time and so you know I went to summer camp that summer came out to like my best friend and then the following year in high school I just slowly like by the end of that year I was like fully out um, but you know were you I, out at your school too like, out at school you, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I did I even like there was like a variety show that my high school did and I did this like I performed a song Secrets by One Republic nice. and then made like a slideshow kind of talking about LGBTQ rights Holy in America shit. and they let me do it and like it was like a moment for sure and like I definitely attribute my teachers and my peers and my community for when I was that age to like how comfortable I am being like an open artist now. If, if you don't mind me asking though, did you wind up getting tokenized? In school? In school. Um, probably. But that's also just because, like, there weren't a lot of gay kids at the time. Sure. I mean, I could probably count on, like, two hands. Like, how many, like, openly queer? I mean, it's so cool. A couple weeks ago, I went to work with, like, some students at a high school outside of Chicago. It wasn't mine, but it was, like, a different high school that brought me over there for their writer's week. And I, like, was talking to students about songwriting and that kind of thing. The amount of queer students who, like, ran up to me after, like, I couldn't even count. I and love I'm like, that. that is so cool that now, like, non-binary students, like, mm -hmm. gay students, bisexual students, like anyone like so many and they were all teenagers
strangers. For what it's worth, like, I think even by the time you get to a he or you get to uh, anything that comes up in your song, it's already just so, it's a song. It's totally. a fucking song. Yeah. So like, it doesn't, it, didn't, it, it genuinely didn't clock. It's, it's, it's one of the us. things we, we were talking about with Charlotte on the show. Oh, with how, dress, yeah. How, with dress, like one, how powerful just inherently music is for normalizing certain messages because it's like, it comes with this other hit of dopamine of just like, oh, it's a fun, catchy song, which is a nice way to make the medicine go down for people yeah. to accept certain ideas they might be a little bit uncomfortable with. Totally. But yeah, also that you can have something super catchy and fun. And then when there are social or political or emotional implications outside of that, that it gets, it's easier. It's just a beautiful way to deliver certain messages. Agreed. And for what it's worth, like, you know, the Trevor Project stats, like, you know, that you reach a million people a month, like you're saving lives. Like it's not, it's not like a exaggeration to say, it's not like whatever, like the more that you are yourself, the Mm -hmm. more you give people permission to be themselves. And I think the safer you make the world, even in somebody's own head. And I just, I mean, fuck man. Yeah. It was actually like on tour. It's so funny and interesting. And I know that I'm going to like experience this more like throughout my career, but like doing a show in Georgia is very different than doing a show in New York or in LA or Chicago as a queer artist because one like there was like a bartender at the venue that we played at wearing like a let's go Brandon hat like not the kind of which is like a like an anti-Biden kind of thing yeah yeah just it's, like it's fuck you Biden right yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. it was just it's like dog whistle it, not the kind of merchandise you want in a venue where you know a queer artist is performing and you know where I'm creating a safe space for queer people to come and enjoy music and be themselves but like that show felt more like an act of protest right. like you know what I mean right. like I'm like in Atlanta as an openly gay man You're performing music <laughs> literally no it's true whereas like when I'm in New York City it's like everyone's fucking gay like yeah. I, you know, I'm just like it, everyone's so animated and excited and it's like such a different show there, and it's there like at least a dozen people in drag at the show yeah totally <laughs> and i don't know i feel like for a while i like because again even though i i said like i don't want to be seen as like the gay artist i still feel so confident in my artistry now that like if you want to call me that or if you're a queer person listening to my music and you're like i just love this queer artist jordy because i fucking yeah like yeah. Yeah, well, i love that's that what I'm you know you're like, not making queer art unless that is what you're what you want to be making like totally. it is not your your job or somebody else's job to decide what it is. For sure. But also it can hit people how it does. But I think in a lot of ways too, like, you know, we're Jewish. Yeah. And I think there's a similar kind of experience. Like there is anti-Semitism out there for sure. And on the one hand, it's not like you and I are doing, you know, Ose Shalom covers, Mm -hmm. you know, on the other hand, if we were to go somewhere where like there are swastikas, you know, graffitied on the wall, we wouldn't feel comfortable. 100%. And, And that's like, you don't think about who you are. You don't think about your identity when you can comfortably be it. I feel like most of the fans in Atlanta you know, because a lot of the fans like either drove from like Alabama or like other states, like in the South, like I could have been the first Jew they met and they just didn't even know. Because the thing is, is like in my music, it's like, you know, I'm gay, like, or yeah. you know, I'm at least like attracted to men. Whereas like, you wouldn't know I'm Jewish, maybe. I mean, like, maybe we'd be able to tell each the other is Jewish. <laughs> I, I, knew based second, on, like, I knew the second you walked But like, you know what I mean? It's yeah. like, that's one thing where it's like, as a white man, I yeah. can walk down the street and recognize that there's just so much privilege there because like, yeah, people absolutely. don't necessarily see that I am gay or Jewish or whatever but it's well, like we're describing yeah. right now in these specific scenarios like is to a degree a, a drop in the bucket to any woman walking past nine o'clock yep. anywhere yep. you yeah. know or black folk yeah everywhere in yes. the fucking country you know so. I even like with Austin on tour I remember I had a conversation with her and I was like when you watch me do you see 
an artist who's queer or like a queer artist. And she was like, I see both. And it's really important for you to be both. Just yeah. how it's important for me to be an artist, but also a female artist. Yeah. It's right. like, it's very important for me to be an artist who's queer as a musician and a writer, but it's also very important to me and for me to be a queer artist for all mm-hmm. the queer people who are coming to enjoy the show. I think it's, I think the train spotting quote that you love so much is that, Thank you know, you. one day we'll all just be wankers wanking and that there won't be these like labels or identity <laughs> politics. I think there's, I think that's a beautiful vision. It's a utopian yeah. vision to imagine a world where everyone is just an artist and there aren't these labels assigned to it. And I think that we all have that impetus. But then in the current political world, it can skew, I don't see color. It can skew like being blind to the issues and the political implications that come with certain identities has political implications. And it is important for people in marginalized groups who also do art to, on the one hand, embody the ideal that at the end of the day, we all just want to be doing art and we don't necessarily want to be pigeonholed by our identities. But since our identities have political connotations, it is also important to move the needle on the political implications of those identities. That, that sure. it can coexist, that you don't want an identity to be a defining factor, but that identity is still extremely important. Yeah. I'm thinking of my friend Vincent. So Vince is like a black gay artist. Like the weight of that and how important that is to our society right now is like unmatched. Like mm-hmm. to see an openly gay black artist is important for the black community. It's important for all communities. And I think that I don't want to speak for him, but I assume he's very, very fucking proud of that, obviously. But then... I think he posted something about how somebody was like describing his music as like soulful pop. And I'm like, or it's just pop. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, I don't know. I feel like it's those little moments where they're trying to like, whether it's like the queer thing and like the, you know, I've heard like adjectives describing my music in ways where I'm like, "Hmm." like, have you ever gotten like the gay and then insert artist title here? Oh, Oh, like, like a reviewer will be like, it's like this, but like queer. Oh, um, yes, I have. I've definitely seen comments being like the queer love or like whatever, like that kind of thing, which like, I can't tell if I don't like that or not. Do I not like that? (laughs) I don't know. And a lot of this is like, these are such good conversations to have because I think- It's the gray area. It's it's the the gray area. Yeah, Yeah. totally. And I, at the end of the day, me and Vince and whoever, like we are artists and we're writers and we're visionaries and, you know, our identities play a huge part in that and play a huge part in like our fans and our fan bases and like who we want to reach with our music. But I think it's important to remember that like we're pop artists artists and we're songwriters, you know what I mean? And it doesn't need to be like that gay, whatever. But at the same time, it's like, I'm obsessed with the fact that my shows have become a safe space for queer people. And like, that is like very important to me. So I think it's just, I think it's like about that balance. You know what I mean? It's huge. Well, and and for what it's worth, like there isn't an answer. Yeah. Like this is going to be the question that goes on, I think throughout your career, throughout the music industry, like how do we make the art stand by itself, but also let these spaces become safe. Totally. Through those identity uh, And I think it's like we yeah. we keep doing what we're doing, you know? It's yeah. like, let the song speak for itself, mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah, totally. But with that, Jordy, are you ready for the question round? The question round. Questions. Okay. These are just random questions. See, it says, if you could give all human beings one virtue, what would you choose? That's so interesting. I think, I don't know if this would like be considered a virtue, but I think like I saw an interview with Emma Watson the other day and she was talking about, I think the interviewer asked her something about like, 
um, like what would you say to like like a trans fan or or, or something like that? I probably because of like all the J.K. Rowling okay, yeah, stuff. Yeah. Right. But she was just talking about like the value of just like being able to listen. You know what I mean? Mm. It's like I wish that people that all people had the ability to just like really sit down and like listen to each other, especially people who have like been oppressed. You know, I think it's just like. I don't know, like just like the ability to like put yourself in like somebody else's shoes and like listen and understand and hear them out. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like giving them a space to speak freely from a place of like understanding. And I don't know. I just feel like I want people to be able to like listen to each other better. You know what I mean? I I feel like that's like so important. There's that thing of like oftentimes we listen to respond instead of listening to receive. And I think that's a thing that I think a lot of people people would benefit from. It's a thing that I'm always trying to work on. It's like people are talking to us and we're always like, okay, what, how does this affect me? Yeah. That's just how we're hardwired. But I think it's a really beautiful kind of Zen way of thinking of just being able to like, no, I'm just receiving what you're saying right now. Absolutely. That's a really like lovely way of going about it. Just like seeing each other as humans because we're all humans. You know what I mean? And I think that like the question to Emma was like, what would you say to like, someone who like wouldn't want like a trans person like in their bathroom or something and emma Mm -hmm. was kind of just like you know like looking at that person being like try to just like see and understand that like we're all human beings and like why would you ever want to be in a position to like invalidate or like bring somebody else down based on like their identity it's like take a moment to like listen to things that are different than you and like you know hear people out who come from different places and different experiences and like just remember that like we're all fucking humans like and treat each other that way you know mm-hmm. what i mean well, like, i think i think i mean what we're circling is empathy mm-hmm. yeah, you know totally. i think that like if everybody in the world had empathy there wouldn't be income inequality there wouldn't be any kind of really inequality because inequality would hurt mm-hmm. you know like if you yeah. if you felt what your greed or your views if you could truly feel how that hurt other people yeah you know i mean the truth of the matter is is that bezos only exists because he can sleep at night totally. you know if he was haunted you know in the way that uh <laughs> i believe he should be <laughs> Mm-hmm. You know, you wouldn't have that kind of thing. You would have genuine philanthropy. Absolutely. You know, and I think that, yeah, empathy is how how you get there. Yeah, I think that's really the answer to the question. Yeah. It's empathy. Because sure. li- Yeah, I feel like listening and patience, because they say patience is a virtue too. I feel like if you put listening and patience together, you get empathy. You get empathy. I love that. Yeah. Look really, really feel it, you Fuck know. yeah. Love um, that a lot. Hell yeah. Did cool. we just solve a... I think we just, yeah. Solved I think the we world? Just, yeah, I think we literally <laughs> just solved every issue. We figured it out. I love. All right, next up, what is your phone background? My what? Back- oh, my phone background. Yeah. It's so boring. <laughs> it's just like one of those like pre-made backgrounds. Ooh. Oh, it's a really good one. Though. You like yeah, it? Yeah. I like it a lot. Um, I, I found that a lot of creative people have very stock backgrounds. I had a photo of me and my two best friends from college. I don't know. I feel like I got a new phone and I just like didn't care. And I just like, <laughs> I got it this way and I was like, I'm just keeping it. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, nothing exciting. Just like some like, swooshy designs. Yeah, I, don't, swooshy. I don't know what they are. But yeah, a little stock photo. They're uh, pretty the, boring. <laughs> they're just uneven enough for it to send me just a little bit. Oh yeah, like, absolutely. They're just slightly like, off there. Yeah, I got yeah. I it's got like you. have you have you ever watched like anti ASMR videos where like it's like a bad cut and it's just like, like it's a bad cut or it's just like it's just oh, yeah, like, and it's like, like it's like so satisfying. unsatisfying. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I get that. Oh my god. Yeah. Do you yeah. I have a hard time with ASMR videos too because it's too clean for me. I got you. I'm just living in hell. (laughs) I want to ask an off the rails question because the next question is, what's a non-musical hobby? You've talked about cooking. I would like to ask you a cooking question if that's okay. And we can can go into other hobbies as well. But I want to ask, what is your favorite thing you've cooked recently? Ooh, that I've cooked recently. What's been good? A couple of things. 
Every time I go to Austin's, if we're like working late, I will always make vodka pasta. Ooh, like rigatoni it. vodka sauce kind of vibe. Okay, my, my brain went to like <laughs> so you know I don't cook. Yeah, my, my brain my brain went to like you're you're boiling pasta in vodka. <laughs> no, yeah, it's like you It's like it's like it takes forever to boil. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's like that creamy tomato. Yeah. Like uh, like John and Vinny is like they're like uh mm-hmm. what they're yeah. famous for, that like spicy fusilli. Oof, it's so good. Like creamy tomato, yum. Okay, so like my favorite, like I'm exhausted coming home from a long day and I just need something quick is like a good homemade fried rice with like extra rice and like fry an egg or something. I put it on top. Love kimchi. I love I've since I moved to L.A., I've become obsessed with Korean food, too. I just love how it's like the crunchy and the sour and the acidity, but then like the richness of like the fatty stuff. And it's just the balance is always so good. And so, yeah, like good fried rice, vodka sauce. What else do I like? Do you like making cocktails, too? Because that's something that like Noah. Yeah, that's like that's my I'm not like, I'm not butter. a cocktail like my dad is like obsessed with like making cocktails well, you, I've you never been really into drink that. That I don't much, drink yeah. as much I'm yeah. like I'm into weed way more than alcohol <laughs> like that's like my preferred way of like relaxing I, mm-hmm. I love wine love beer and we'll get a cocktail every once in yeah. a while like like I'm getting drinks tonight we'll definitely like get a drink but like if I'm home I'm usually like smoking or like getting high as opposed to like making cocktails yeah. right. um, you have to really love it it's a very fiddly process but I get it though because it's like it's fun and like I like having like a little bar cart and, yeah you know, exactly. it's like it's fun. Like I got it. We have two. We have two bar cards. Yeah. It's like yeah, all the place. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, you'll have to make me a cocktail sometime, and I, I will make will. you vodka. Sauce. He made a lovely. cocktail last night called Big Trouble in Little Italy. I found this recipe, and it was. Can you just describe it? So it's delicious. It is, it, the recipe calls for bourbon, but I didn't want to go buy bourbon. But I have this nice Armenian brandy that my partner got from an Armenian market, which is really good with some little smoked salt. Yeah. So so it's Armenian brandy with some dry vermouth, which is kind of a weird choice, mm-hmm. but I understand why because after the dry vermouth there's simple syrup for some extra sweetness lemon because some citrus is always good in a cocktail and then the key component of this cocktail is a strawberry balsamic reduction so it's got so good but what's really nice about it what what i was going for the reason i picked out the recipe is because like i really like like dark complex spicy drinks like I like a Negroni, but I also like are you into like mezcal. And mezcal, stuff? yeah, I love mezcal drinks that are kind of like spicy and smoky. But a lot of our friends, like Kira, really likes kind of fruitier drinks. And you know, Nate also. I think you. I mean, you like. I I, I like a bourbon mule. Like yeah, a Kentucky like, mule. Yeah, usually. which has that yeah. spicy gingery sure. thing. So I, I felt yeah. like this cocktail was a really good combination of stuff for everyone's palate. But it was still a little bit funky because it's got that you're drinking vinegar, you know. But totally. it's also strawberry, so it's it's still really fruity. I'm a kombucha lover and too, punchy. So yeah, yeah. what I, what I love about the Big Trouble in Little Italy is it's got a little bit of that funky kombucha well, and like bitters as uh, cardamom bitters oh, yeah, the cardamom bitters uh, and the and the, and the it, sea salt damn, if you, if you want salt. if you want it yeah. is one of it is honestly and i think i just got to make it all the time because the strawberry balsamic is super easy to make and it's great i put it on the burgers last night as well Yum, that like, so good that sounds he, so good he made a drink that five people with vastly different tastes all enjoyed all enjoyed See, yeah i love yeah. that i love that and that, that brought me more joy like sex is cool but that, that <laughs> like, <laughs> i'm so with you i know i fucking love that and I think that like the difference and I do like to bake, but I think that it's fun to like improvise too and yes. like add your own little spice, which I think that you can do with cooking and cocktail making and stuff. I definitely am more of like a fruity, sweet cocktail guy. I love amaretto sours. I like mm. whiskey sours. I like any sour cocktail yeah. a lot. Yeah, with the egg whites to like mm-hmm. make it like a little frothy mm-hmm. and stuff. But I'm, su- um, I'm surprised that you're Jewish and can do egg whites in your drinks. <laughs> why, why is that? Is that like a like, is there like just my stomach gets uh, fucked yeah, up? Well, about I everything, mean, yeah. honestly, I, I'm like 
like I should chill with the cheese and I don't. So I just <laughs> yeah, fuck myself valid. over every time. So I'm just like, I'm like that, you know. But yeah, we'll have to do a cooking cocktail party. That's my favorite thing in the world. So I thank you for that. answering that question. Of course. Yeah. I, I have another off the rails question, oh, which whoa. is because you're like us, a recovering theater kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is your favorite musical uh, and your favorite musical you've been in? Ooh. Okay. Favorite musical I've been in is the 25th annual Putnam County Spelling Bee. Yo. I did that. So I did that in high school and like. I saw that with my mom when I was 14. (laughs) It's a very funny show. They get the audience involved. The music is fucking amazing. But we like competed in high school. Like we went to like the Illinois like all state like theater festival thing. Did you have Destination Imagination and all that shit too? Well, I don't know what that is. Might be a New York thing. Okay. Okay. But it could be similar. But it was just like, you know, high schools from around the state bringing their show if they were like accepted or whatever. Where we got accepted and we performed and like we just like felt like celebrities like we just felt like early, this, yeah. it was so cool like I was just my school put so much money into art so it was really cool to like be a part of a community that valued music and art and theater so much and I just like I sang this song called like the I love you song which is like such a good song from that show I just like was able to sing a bunch and it was like so much fun and I just like remember having the best time so I loved being in that show my favorite show Oof. Can I say a couple? I'm going to say a couple. Yeah, say a couple. I, I have to say Rent because I fucking love Rent. Yeah. Uh, so I was I was hoping you would because I <laughs> wanted to tell you yeah. that uh, last Wednesday <laughs> went to our friend's karaoke birthday. Okay. And a couple drinks in, Noah and I. <laughs> we did. We did of Love. No, we, we did, did Take Me or Leave Me. Even better. I will tell you, neither of us could sing that song. Even it's, fucking better. Awesome. Good. No, that's the best song ever. I mean, yeah, that show is amazing. I also, I am obsessed with the last five years. Oh, yeah. I love that show. I love the plot. I love how they do it. I love the music. I love like Jason Robert Brown. I like just absolutely love that show. There are two types of theater kids. Jason Robert Brown fans and the rest of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Straight up. And then like Sondheim fans. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's fair, that's fair. <clears throat> um, but I could go on. I mean, Les Mis is a classic, but then also like Next to Normal been, I used to singing, love. We've been singing One Day More one just day more. around the house. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So... Did you see Next to Normal? I have seen Next to Normal. I mm. fucking, I love that. It's okay, a that's a deep cut show for some folks. Yeah, mm. it's, it's a poppy show. It's the pretty poppy. The music's gorgeous. Yeah, it's amazing. The music's gorgeous. Next to Normal of Riverdale fame. I know, oh, yeah, wait, yeah, yeah. Sorry, did I just say it was a deep cut? I forgot that Riverdale fucking did. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't even know that. I think Riverdale fucking butchered it. They did, <laughs> they did Just Another Day, but it was like they cut all the good bits. Just Another Day. Yeah, I love it. I love yeah. it. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah, love love musicals. Haven't seen a musical in a long time. Favorite one that I've been in. Mm. I was in Thoroughly Modern Millie. Oh, that's a great show. Trevor Graydon doing the speed test. I had a lot of fun with that. Favorite musical writ large. I mean, the last five years is tough to not think about. I mean, save for Shmuel song. There's pretty much no skips. It's just like the whole fucking record is. I don't know how he did it. Like it's insane. But Spring Awakening comes to mind. Ooh, that's a great one. Spring Awakening. Yeah, the music so is good. insane. Amazing. Um, and talk about like the first time you heard people curse. Mm-hmm. I was in the car and my mom was singing Bitch of Living. True. And if that doesn't send you to therapy, You're like, I don't know what go. does. <laughs> yeah. oh my God. That's know? amazing. Yeah, Spring Awakening is, Spring Awakening is, is crazy. So, yeah. so, 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 so good. What about you, Noah? I think favorite show I've been in... Probably Sweeney Todd. Ooh, he was Sweeney. I, I got to play Sweeney. There we go. Grade. Sweeney's was, another great that show. Was, that's that amazing. Was absolutely iconic. At last, his arm is complete again. Ah, uh, <laughs> these are my friends. And <laughs> my favorite show, I think of late, 
is probably Hades Town because I feel like it's the kind of thing that's just like pulled straight from my brain. It's, oh yeah, you saw it. It's Greek mythology with New Orleans jazz, and it's written by Aeneas Mitchell. And my friend from high school who was in that show with me is in the touring company of that Hades right Town. Now. Oh, yeah, it's, yeah. it's a really, it's a beautiful show. It's fun. It's heartbreaking. Yeah. I saw it mostly with the OBC recently, uh, and Reeve Carney is just such a weird guy, but I love him so much. That's I, I'm gonna brag, which is I, I met Aeneas Mitchell uh, twice mm-hmm. at uh, Radio City because she was opening for Bon Iver and was selling her own merch wow i like like she was she was like oh i'm so glad you came early so that you can see me play <laughs> yeah. like she was, she was she was very nice and then I she writes that. the best fucking musical ever and also yeah. i mean yeah just the fact that it comes from a concept record which is something that, that I was, came out 10 years prior it came out 10 years prior that you know it's like a beautiful beautiful thing and it works as a folk record with justin vernon on it totally and it didn't take that much of a leap to adapt it to a full-fledged broadway show and i'm like that is goals like i want to write a pop album that could get turned into a broadway musical like that is yeah. inspiring. What are y'all doing later? Yeah, yeah no, I literally, I, I was gonna say like I, I like would love to write a musical one day. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I would love to do definitely that one day. On the right, definitely on the right. I'd love to do something in ten years. That's like <laughs> right. no, but that's that's my takeaway from it is that like you know I have all these ideas or whatever, and it just it's nice to know that like outside of our like compressed LA, if you don't do this before you're 25, might as well kill yourself. Like yeah. vibe that like yeah, cool ass projects take a long time, and that's fine. Yep. Yeah, you know that's I'm great. I'm trying to take my time with some stuff. I like that. Um, Um, Maggie Rogers was just talking about that. mm -hmm. Talking about how like it's so good to like take your time with art, you know? Yeah. It's yeah. very important. The slow Make art it movement. Make it what slow, it the be. slow art movement. Slow yeah. Art. yeah. We're all, we're all in our sixties. Um, all right. What's next? Now on to the most important question. The most important question. You're probably mm-hmm. ever going to be asked in your life. Okay. Would you be a pirate? Arr. Would I be a pirate? Would you be a yes. pirate? Like just for fun? Like like just like <laughs> for like, Halloween? For how? Ha- <laughs> sure. No, no, no. Like, yeah. No, in, like, the gold, in the golden age in of the piracy. Golden age of piracy. Like, is that how you're living your life? On a boat. On a boat. Swashbuckling. <laughs> Stealing from the rich. Given to the other uh, pirates. <laughs> my, my gut is like, I feel like pirates wouldn't be into me. Like, how queer friendly are pirates? Oh, surprisingly <laughs> Extremely so queer friendly. Actually. Really? You know, were... Do you know how Blackbeard died? No. Syphilis. Motherfucker was fucking everybody. Yeah. I'm dead. They were all I'm bi. Big... They were all fucking each other. Okay, well, then that sounds fun. Sure. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'll be a pirate. <laughs> yeah, Great. There you go. Let's go. <laughs> He's like, count me in for syphilis. Yeah, <laughs> like, I'm ready. Syphilis that's, and scurvy. That's fun. Yeah. I mean, there's worse ways to go. Great. That's right. That, Love that's, that. that was my takeaway from the documentary that everyone was fucking everybody. That, that was, was my takeaway yeah. from the pirate documentaries, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I mean, if you're stuck in a boat, like, by all means. Yeah. Go for it. It was very much an alternative lifestyle. So I feel like there was, yeah, there were a lot of female pirates. It was a surprisingly a lot, lot of black pirates. Socialists, the whole, the it was whole kind situation of, yeah, it was, was, ca- it was yeah. a kind of egalitarian. They, so, they socialized healthcare. Wow. Yeah. yeah. It was an interesting, okay. it's an interesting period. I'm sold. And I, Pirate and I, it is. I'm, I'm wary. I don't know how much of that is like kind of wishful revisionist history because there's a component of that. We are viewing it from a modern totally. lens. And there's also pirates are so mythologized, but also villainized. There might also be an overswing in the other. I've been thinking a lot about that. I, I can yeah, tell. Yeah. I, I yeah, this this has been the only enduring question of the podcast that's yeah, amazing but uh it's, it's a fascinating area to talk about great in um, unrelated questions uh, do you have any tattoos i do i have one um kind of like at my hip bone it just, says, oh. it just says it gets better i love oh, that that's, that's fantastic. i also yeah. love the font thank you the the courier, right? yeah, yeah i got it in college it's kind of funny because 
It's kind in of, Boston. It's, it's a, in Boston, yeah, above like on Comav on BU campus. Wait, I know exactly the spot you're talking about because my friend got a tattoo. It's there above too. a pizza place called yeah. Anthony's. I forgot the <laughs> I forgot the name of the tattoo shop, but um, it's kind of a sentimental tattoo and like kind of a sexy place. So sometimes <laughs> it's like a little weird because I'm like, this isn't trying to yeah, be sexy. This for, is for me those being, in listener land. Yeah. It's on it's on like it's your hip, my but hip like bone. under under where your pants. Yeah, like are right. A it's bit. like right above my crotch area, yeah. which is it, great. Actually, it could be kind of sexy. Like you. Start slowly taking down your no, pants, I, and then it it's like it gets, sexy. it gets better. Well, that's that's <laughs> the thing is like people think that, and I'm like, no, no, no. This is like it's like you thought you liked my hips, but wait until you see what's below them. I know, yeah. but it's funny because it's like it's in that place where it, it's just funny. It's in a funny place, but I do like it, and I would love to get more. I um. I wanted to get like a sprinter van in honor of the first tour and maybe well, like then. a little dog tattoo for my like dog who died a couple of years ago. Oh, yeah, I mean, sorry. it's like there's there's a couple more that I want to get, but I have one right now. Alrighty. What was the first concert you ever attended? Avril Lavigne. Oh, oh my God. That's a good one. That's Avril a really Lavigne, good one. one of my faves. United Center with Beautiful. my dad in oh, Chicago. Perfect. Yep. The best. Do you have a scar with a story? Um, I probably have a scar under my hair somewhere, but I fell off of a balcony when I was three and I almost died. Definitely almost died. I like cracked my head open. Um, and my mom does not like talking about that day because that was very traumatizing. How old were you and how'd that happen? Like I was three. I was like a fucking toddler and it was at a tennis club. We were watching my brother play tennis and there was like a balcony overlooking the tennis courts Uh and I fell and it was not good. So there's probably a scar under there somewhere. Otherwise, no, no scars besides that. More or less sense. Yeah. Sorry, uh, to your mom who's listening. I know. Yeah. I don't want to trigger you, mom. Traumas. Yeah. Please. Let's. Yeah. We can put that behind us. He forgives you. Uh, yeah, exactly. Oh I release you. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. Um, what are three thoughts you have at this very moment? <gasps> I'm going on a date tonight. Nice. So I've been thinking about that, um, which should be fun. So I'm excited for that. I haven't been on a date since like November. So that'll be good for me. Um, I'm hungry. I'm mm-hmm. excited to eat something after That's this. A classic Maybe like a little yeah. Echo Park little bite before I go. Mm-hmm. And what else? I'm going to Nashville on Monday hey. for a wedding trip. So say hey to all the Nashville I will. friends. I'm yeah. excited. I've been thinking about that trip. I'm excited to go. I have Very a follow up question based on uh, your first thought, which is, what would you say is your go to date advice? Ooh, go to date advice. Like, what makes a good first? Like, date? what makes a good first date? Ooh, for me, I usually like do like a meal tonight. I think we're just doing drinks. If it were like, if I got to like choose the way I would want to do a first date, I love like little picnic moment, Ooh. little like outside moment because I don't like, like I hate when you're like on a date, especially a first date and like you get seated next to someone like super close, like in a crowded restaurant. Right. Cause I'm like, I want to have like a moment to just like be with this person, get to know them, like have their undivided attention. They're I placing wanna... you at the commune tapes. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. So it's like, I like being in spaces that we can like have our space and like really focus on each other. And also just like, yeah, I don't know, advice, like be your fucking self. Also, like I've been watching Love is Blind. Oh, That's nice. not a show I would recommend. But maybe <laughs> if you like trash, you should watch it. But I've been. I mean, we're huge Bachelor fans here. Yeah. So it's not like we're, we're particularly. <laughs> but uh, I clean. kept noticing that like every time the women were like going into the room, they were like, I hope he likes me. I hope he likes me. And I'm like, girl, what if you don't like him? Yeah. You might not like him. Exactly. So I'm like, don't be so obsessed with how you're going to come across. Be more concerned with how you feel about the other person. That is Because the person who's going to like end up wanting you and loving you is someone who like you don't need to think about that around. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, Think about if you like them. Don't think about if they're going to like you. That's really good advice. Fuck yeah. And the last question, what are you looking forward to? 
Ooh, what am I looking forward to? I'm going on tour again. Ooh. I'm opening for Lauren Sanderson. Oh. So that's going to be really fun because those are going to be some of the biggest shows I've played yet. And then some music festivals, which I'm very Ooh. excited for. And so, yeah, I think I'm very excited to go play shows again. I just, that really brings me so much joy. And I'm just like excited to put out new music. I'm like, I've been writing so much and we have like really exciting plans and I just like, it's funny. I feel like we put music out and then we immediately start thinking about the next thing. You know what I mean? So I'm excited for whatever this next chapter brings. But I guess, yeah, very excited to like go to some markets and cities that I haven't been able to perform in yet to like meet some of the fans out there. So that's going to be really cool. Oh, yeah. I'm excited to try your vodka sauce. <laughs> I'm excited to make it for you. I'm very excited. It'll be great. We'll do some homemade garlic bread, oh. little salad, and then you'll make us cocktails. Oh, that sounds lovely. And I'll just watch. I'm excited. <laughs> I'll no, play, that sounds I'll play the piano. perfect. Yeah. That's Sounds perfect. Jordy, it was mm. so nice to meet you. This was amazing. Oh my God, this is incredible. Thank you guys for having me. This Love is lovely. We know you now. We absolutely know each other. <laughs> Indeed. And I can't wait to be back. Thank you for listening to this episode of Talking Lion. We would like to thank Isotope for their support of Talking Lion. If you'd like to show your support, ask our guests your questions, talk to us on Discord, and get a shout out at the end of each episode, subscribe to our Patreon over at patreon.com slash talking lion. Thank you for listening and see you next time.